Capita, this is your host, Jasmine Luchis, and you're now listening to Hepa Talk Season 3. Hola, Jefitas. This is Jasmine Luchis, and today I have such a special guest, and I just wanted to um, give you guys a little warning before you guys continue the episode that this episode will be triggering to some people. We will be talking about grief um, and talking about um, losing a father, and so if that's something that triggers you, I please advise you not to continue this episode. But if you are open to hearing the story of our amazing guest and how she turned grief into a success story, then continue listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Amber with Memers Boutique. I um, have a boutique here in downtown San Antonio located inside the Brownstone. Um, We are a boutique. um, It's a showroom where we book appointments and come in and I get to style you, you get to shop, you get to sip and shop and um, pick your outfits for a special occasion or just for, you know, just trying to change your wardrobe. That's what we focus on is for the woman on the go. Um, we have um, a website at nemersboutique.com and of course our social medias at Nemers Boutique. So I'm super excited to have Amber this episode is going to be very special. Um, I think that it's something that you and I can both relate because we will be talking about losing a father figure or a father. And um, so I kind of want to dive straight into like your childhood. Can you talk a little bit about what little Nemer? Yes, the little Nemer. <laughs> um, she was... Um, born and raised in the south side of San Antonio. And man, just thinking about the little girl (laughs) makes me emotional. Um, Yeah, it was a tough um, upbringing as far as like, you know, as a little kid, you don't know um, where you, how your circumstances are. But as an adult, when you look back, you're like, wow, it was a tough one. (laughs) But we just learned to cope and learn to, um, we just adapt. We're very adaptable. But I love my childhood. You know, my mom worked, um, you know, and my my dad also was always, uh, he was a taxi driver and a construction worker. He had a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he was definitely an entrepreneur. And he opened a little store for my mom to sell, like, um, burgers and, like, a convenience store right next to our house. And I remember helping her or going in there when she had customers and, um, I would go to school and she was in there and I would get off the bus and just go and, and you know, and, yeah, and work. And so that's what she did to raise us. You know, she would, she would have to hustle some way or another, but it was cool to meet and see all of the little, like my friends would go and buy for my mom and stuff. And so I grew up, um, very modest, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, bringing and I, re- I just, uh, remember having a best friend right down the street and always going to play outside no phones, none of that going on, but it was, it was a fun, and I used to look, I had a lot of dogs, my dad would, like, bring stray dogs, so I had, like, five <laughs> or six dogs. You know, it's funny, because my, my dad was actually the same way, um, and he, he would just 
bring all these animals, yeah. like <laughs> random birds and cats, yeah. and my mom would be like, "Aquí no me los traigas." Yeah, like, yeah. So <laughs> I think I think that's very funny. Yes, um, and I would love it when he would bring dogs. I was like, "Yes," and I would want to bring them inside with me. But but it was it was it was a fun, but I don't know. It wasn't like we had a lot. And we all we had we had we had cars that would always break down and stuff. No no AC, no AC in the house. So you know how this Texas heat is so hot. Yes. So when we first got an AC, we put it in one room. It was like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. So grateful for it. We would all stay in one room with it. Like AC. hanging out. Um so just to go back a little bit, so you could say that you kind of grew up like in a modest entrepreneur life because you're you yes. guys had a little store yes. yes so you kind of already kind of had that upbringing yes i now. was around it i was definitely around it with my dad having construction workers and they would all like um okay where are we going he would go pick them up at job sites and stuff like that and then he ran his own taxi company and then he opened that little shop for my mom the little store which I was always around that. And unknowingly, he would, I didn't know he was teaching me, but I would just do it because he was like, I need you to um, organize these papers for me. Or he would show me how. So when he was at work, he would come back at night and be like, okay, where, where's what I gave you to do today? Because it was mm. like during the summer breaks. So I knew how to organize his stuff at like, like a very, filing. Yeah, yeah, filing and all of that. They would call me, his friends would call me, La secre, like she's a secretary. la <laughs> secre? <laughs> so, with your dad having his own little um, construction company and his taxi company, and then your mom, would you say that um, you guys really, as kids, had to be involved with their, you know, with their businesses, or like were you guys kind I, of out and about doing your own thing? I feel like um, just being around it, you kind of pick up on those things. They didn't necessarily say you're in charge of this, you're in charge of that, but they did. Um, it, I was always around it to where, okay, my mom had to run certain errands for him and stuff. So you as a little kid, you're just kind of picking up on their habits and yeah. how they are. And my dad was very, um, definitely a boss, you know, he was very uh, intimidating and I loved that, but I didn't know that I wanted that to be a, like a boss <laughs> at that time. Yeah. But I, like indirectly, self-consciously, you kind of store it back there, and it's kind of like in your blood. It kind yeah. of gets in, in somehow. It it becomes you. you. Yeah. And so I could say that it was just something that um, I was around, but it wasn't like we. We would help. We would do it, but just because it's like, hey, give me that. Do this. Yeah. But not like I knew I was in charge of the role or anything mm -hmm. like that. Now, um, let me ask you this. Do you have siblings? I do. I have an older brother, mm -hmm. and he's five years older than me. Okay. And he also has a lot of that um, entrepreneur in him, yes. Mm -hmm. And But he's he got more of the construction side of my dad. Like, mm -hmm. He built his house from the ground up. He finished building my mom's house that he, my dad started, but my brother at the age of 19 picked it up and finished it and continues to still work on all of our houses. He does all of my remodeling. He does, he actually did my boutique here and um, it's part of what he grew up learning and seeing yeah. from my dad. He would actually go and 
help work and site. help on the job site at a very young age since he was 12. So, yeah, it's... So, literally, Nemers is in your blood. Yes. Like, you guys <laughs> all have that little spark in it. Oh, in yes. Yes. That's awesome to hear. Like, um, jumping in kind of into your teenage years, how how was that for you? My teenage years, um, I just remember um, me always being a very quiet, uh, timid, and shy person mm-hmm. um, to where all I can think of is clothes made me happy. Like, mm-hmm. shopping, and I, my mom and my grandma, they would always go thrift store shopping, and I would love, like, I would rather buy clothes than, like, a toy or something, like accessories or purses, scarves, whatever it was to um, make an outfit or do something. And I remember when I started picking up on it was in middle school, uh, junior high, when I was um, trying to like look cute because you start kind of liking boys and stuff, (laughs) right? Yeah. But I was like, man, and I would always want to go shopping. And so I just tuned in my shyness into like okay creativeness creativeness into my my voice was my clothes Mm -hmm. like that's the way I expressed myself and I didn't know that till I recently read a book on how we you know how we deal and cope with stuff like that Uh and that was my way and so I just did it all the way through high school I always would you know change the outfits I never liked wearing the same outfit every day I would switch it up and um I always, you know, I got best dress on the yearbook. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always something that I that I did. But um, I totally forgot what was your question. <laughs> I went down no. a side no, note. No, no, no. But, no, but it, oh, it my, te- so. my, my teen years. Teen years, yes. And so that was what I remember of, like, the most. The most. And so when... Um, when I lost my dad, I remember I was 16. It was a, it was a, my senior year. Oh, okay. And so I remember like going to, I accumulated a lot of clothes because that was kind of like my thing. And I remember um, like when my dad passed away, I even dug in deeper into um, working to not think about him not being here. I, for some reason, thought he was going to come back. Like, it was just a joke or something. So, to touch on your dad. You said that your dad passed away your senior year. Mm-hmm. How did he pass away? He had a heart attack. And I remember getting ready for um, the, it was like the, what is it, homecoming week and homecoming. Uh-huh. Um, I was going for, like, I don't know at the time I think it was like I had all my stuff pulled out because I had like the little sandals with all the little fringe and the t-shirt with the glitter and I had my hair up like in um like those uh, curly rolls things uh, like to get my hair all curly and <laughs> all like ready yes I had all my stuff ready and I remember that day um for some reason we didn't really have a lot of time but we ate together as a family and that night he actually wanted to eat together as a family and um I remember I had on that the my rolls in my hair and uh I had already like got all my stuff ready and we sat down to eat and he goes I'm gonna go ahead and take a shower do you like who's gonna take a shower I'm gonna take a shower and I'm like go ahead dad and so at the time you know um we didn't have uh, a houseware 
you can you have a living room and all that it was more of a like outside patio is our dining room you know kind of thing mm -hmm. and so our shower was kind of like in a room like a separate area but he was taking too long to come out and we ate dinner and everything and he took a shower and when i was like what is going on so i found him um on the floor and i screamed and i yelled at my like for my brother to come and i told him Ronnie, come come you know dad dad's on the floor like he's not and so whenever i found him i remember just crying and we tried to like you know resuscitate him but we couldn't we called the ambulance and they couldn't get him back and it was too late you know they took too long i feel but um that was like the worst day of my life um and that image of seeing him of me finding him like that and seeing how he was i i it's really hard it's something that i try to erase from my mind but it's always gonna be there i i'm so sorry i think that that is very hard to process especially at that young age and then it being a loss so abruptly like that yeah. and it was out of nowhere because i no one knew he was sick or anything no one he didn't have any like we didn't he didn't say if he was hurting or anything yeah. he was very strong you know he he just is from one day to the next he was gone and what do you do you know my mind at that time was like um it's not real this is not happening yeah i just see it like a flash in my mind like yeah. the hospital the ambulance the my family there my brother you know yelling and hitting the wall like i just remember little things and i just remember holding my dad's hand on the side of the bed and like that was it like i just this is just right now but it's gonna this is he's gonna come back yeah I, I think that I can definitely relate to that because um, my grandfather, he was my father figure. He adopted me and my sister at a very young age, and he actually had a stroke. So I think I definitely can relate in the feeling of it being so abruptly. And it's like, I don't think I had even time to really process everything. And then I was a lot younger than you were. So when I look back on that time, it's like, it's very emotional because I, I feel like the same way I, I didn't want it to be real. And I kept thinking like, well, he'll, he's going to come home. Yeah. Like he's going to be okay. He's going to, he's going to come home. And same thing. We came home from the store and we found him on the floor. Yeah. My mom found him first and then she called for me and she's like help me pick him up mm. so i feel like when you, it's so close like right. that it is hard to kind of process yeah it, mm -hmm. just to go into a little more detail about like my situation so my dad had a stroke and so when we got home we ended up finding him on the floor so we had to like pick him up and my dad was big he was six three tall guy like <laughs> really big boned and stuff and so my mom was like help me get him on the bed and 
that was traumatizing in itself because my mom's tiny and at this mm-hmm. point I'm 13 um I'm small too and like I just remember coming into this room trying to help her and as as I'm helping her I'm also paying attention to him mm-hmm. and like you can clearly see his side of his face was drooped and then he wasn't making sense when he was talking so like I remember feeling like really like anxiety for the first time like my hands were clammy mm. and like I was trying to like what what do I do mom like I can see her also trying to right. like like what do right. you do right and so she was like call 911 and you know my parents don't didn't know English so I had to translate for them and it was so hard and so traumatizing for me because I kept trying to tell the paramedic like just get here like I don't know exactly what's wrong we just got home like I don't I don't know and so they were asking a bunch of questions like um how old is he how this and I'm like I don't know I'm like I don't know yeah like I can't I can't think right now I'm just uh, like this is the address can you just come and I want to say they took too long they took too long and I think it's because we we didn't understand exactly what had happened i think my mom was so like in shock that she just thought he fell mm-hmm. and so that's one of the things that i can say was traumatizing for her because and for myself because i blame myself for not knowing like right. what like the you signs feel like were like i could have yeah done something faster or yeah. or saved him yeah I, and I, and it's so it's so hard to accept sometimes right and so i yeah, i was like what if i would have met seen him i've gone check just a, a little, little sooner long, yeah. a little sooner and, than what i did yeah and it's i think that's something that i can relate to you because i'm sure there's been time and time again where you oh yeah you, a lot of that. you yeah. thought like if i would have just, just said that a little and, sooner yeah <laughs> and so i i can definitely relate to you and my heart goes out because I know, I know exactly how that feels. But I was a lot younger, so I feel like I didn't really process those feelings until I was a lot older. Right, same here, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was 16, but I think I was going, it was my junior year. Now that I think, it wasn't senior, it was junior year. Mm-hmm. So all through my senior year was like, going through, through it. it. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's like uh, you don't, process it you kind of try to put it somewhere where you don't want to ever go back to Mm -hmm. but it's not until you're older where it's still there like we never it's so fresh it's like it never healed we never revisit that and um to find the root of of the problem that that problem or that pain that you're feeling for me uh when i explain to my husband it's like uh it's i honestly at those i want to say that year after that was like an out-of-body experience mm-hmm. like i know i was an autopilot i know i was living life but i wasn't there right, like right. i feel like i was just kind of like yeah moving along but not really focused on anything not really motivated to do anything and i was still so like angry i guess right because then you mm-hmm. yeah you go from grieving being sad about it to the being angry. angry right absolutely that's what i felt take me a little bit to like 
how you process everything like how was it during the funeral and then after the funeral so um i just remember my family coming together um to kind of help with all the funeral arrangements which i'm so grateful for i don't know how we would have done it without my cousins and everybody just kind of you know helping. helping and um you know arranging all of that for us and um I just didn't know how to act. I didn't know what to feel or I just remember being at the funeral, but I was kind of frozen. I didn't know. I didn't cry. I didn't um, laugh or anything. I just remember sitting in the front, looking at the casket, thinking like, when is this going to be over? So I could like move on this. This is a, this is not happening kind of thing. Yeah. But everybody's like, sorry, you know, for your loss and all of that. But it was like going in one year out the other. Like, I didn't even know who was there. I don't know who it was. It's kind of like a blur. Like a, like a numbness. Yeah. And you went numb and I didn't know what to, what to feel. I just don't remember crying or anything. I feel the same way because during my father's funeral, um, I remember my pretty much that numbness and, and not being able to really process my emotions, but because I had my sister, and so my sister at the time was like, if I was 12, 13, she was probably like seven or so. So for her, I had to watch her. So I remember like my aunt and my mom, like in the funeral chapel mourning mm -hmm. and crying. And I, I remember our family being around and everybody just kind of slowly stopping and saying like, oh, Jasmine, I'm so sorry. And then me being like in my head, like for what? Yeah. Like sorry right. for what? Right. Like, and and I remember like having to like entertain her pretty much and like play with her. And then I would come to his casket and then I would freeze because I knew like okay if I go and see him, mm -hmm. it's gonna make it real. Yeah. So I would stop myself right. and I would be like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do this. Like, and you know I don't and, even remember looking at my dad. I don't remember that at all. But I'm, I don't know. I'm sure I did, but I didn't want to retain it or help or yeah. keep it in my mind. Well, I I ended up I ended up doing it. Yeah. So like after the after everybody was kind of getting ready to leave the chapel, I remember um, them telling us like, okay, we're gonna like if you have your final goodbyes, make sure to say it. If you guys have anything that you want to send with him, mm. and I remember kind of sneaking back in and taking that moment to see him and I regret it yeah I regret it because I he didn't look like himself mm. um because he yeah. did have a stroke like his face muscles kind of stayed the mm -hmm. same and then um my grandpa was morenito so mm -hmm. like the funeral was I think like a week after so he kind of looked grayish like right. it, it wasn't yeah it wasn't it wasn't a, a good thing for me and so after that I feel like it was hard to even process more because I was just like that's not him yeah. like right. that that like I feel like he's gonna come back like mm -hmm. yeah I, I I for some reason in my head kind of uh how do I how do I say mm -hmm. it like I I played it in, as in like okay well right now he's not here but he's gonna 
walk right. through that door. Yeah, he's gonna walk back yeah, through that door and see. Yeah, and it's and okay. yeah, yeah, and everything's gonna be normal. Like we're all gonna go back to normal and stuff. And I feel like as a young kid, as young as we were, I feel like not that the adults dismiss you, but they're like in their own grieving and their yeah, own feeling for that sure. they kind of like they're they're gonna be okay or i don't know what it is but it's kind of like go play with your sister go like yeah. they want to like for you they, not to feel the pain or something yeah i feel like my mom probably felt like well jasmine's really small so she'll like not that it wouldn't hurt me as much mm. but like I probably won't remember right. as much. Yeah. So I think I want to say that that's probably what her mentality was, and that's probably what um, the mentality for your loved yeah. ones were. Right. Take me a little bit to how it was after the funeral. So I after that, of course, you don't process. I didn't process that he wasn't here anymore till like. I don't even remember, but it. I rem- remember just sitting in my room a couple of days after, like, I just didn't want to come out of my room. I remember yeah. just wanting to be alone, and I guess it was starting to hit me, that like, the pain of, like, oh, he's not here. He's not coming tonight. He's not here. So I just remember trying to, like, not deal with that pain, like, um, but I dealt with it for like a week. Like I remember just the room dark. Um, no one, you know, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Want to be by myself. Family was there like a couple days after the funeral and everything. And But I just didn't want to talk to anybody. Like socialize or anything. Yeah. And that's when um, I decided like, you know what, I can't, um, like I don't, I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to deal with this. And my friend, um, I remember her just inviting me to church. Like, come, let's go to church. And I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. And I was kind of all over the place because I was angry. Mm-hmm. I remember being mad at that, of her just asking me. So I was like, no, stop asking me. I don't want to go to church right now. Like, stop trying to fix me. I'm not broken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that feeling and then just wanting to go out. I remember trying to go like to parties, drinking. I wanted to feel happy. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to stop the the sadness feeling and get ready and feel okay and like switch to the next thing. Like I, that didn't happen. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just trying to go stay busy. Stay busy. Mm-hmm. I definitely will say that um, with being part of a Hispanic family, and I, I hope that nobody from my family is listening and takes offense to it, but I don't think they really understand that, yes, you lost somebody, but so did I, and I feel like for me, in, in my situation, nobody really sat there with me and told me, like, this is what death is, right, this is how you deal with it, how, how are you doing? Right. I, I think my mom just assumed like, well, she's small, so she'll forget it. Or like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand what her like thought process was with it. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have that where they we kinda... never really talked about it, and it's kind of a touchy subject, and I never really wanted to face it. Like it was like an awkward um, conversation to have, like. 
if someone even said anything about my dad or this, I'm, like I was like, I would shut it down. Like I didn't want to talk about it. I would like try and change the subject or something, but I, they never really pushed it or like they kind of let me be that way. Yeah. No one really said, let's get through that and talk about it. Cause mm-hmm. it, clearly you have, you know, you want an, not, issue. an yeah. issue, but it was kind of like, we all kind of dealt with it on our own. No mm-hmm. one really discussed it. Like my mom and my brother, I mean, like we never really talked about those feelings early on. I feel like now, you know, so many years later, we're slowly getting there, you know, mm-hmm. in here and there, but we never really had that time to really just express like process it it's as like a we, whole. Yeah. Like as like, a whole right. family. Yeah. It's like we know what we went through. It was tough and we got through it, but we never really said those details. We just kind of coped with it that way. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like that's a lot of Hispanic families. I think we kind of are kind of like, okay, everybody's going to figure it out and then we'll circle back to it right. eventually. Right. I, mm-hmm. I definitely can understand that. Tell me a little bit more about when you processed everything and then the anger started to kind of kick in. I feel like um, the anger, it was automatically there. Like it just, um, it, it, it turned into, like I know I was going through like this bitterness, but I wanted to like suppress it. By trying to be like, I'm good, I'm happy, it didn't affect me, um, I'm gonna, you know, do me kind of thing. Um, and I remembered um, just really wanting to, you know, I, ha- I wanted to, like, I had my car and, like, focus on working, like, keep my mind busy, but I was so angry and I didn't know that this was happening, but this is how I coped with it at the time is that I wanted rims on my car. I wanted to kind of like a bounce back, I guess you could say like, like I'm going to come back stronger. Right. And, and it's good to be that way, but not from a broken place. Like I was hard. I was hurting. I was heartbroken. And that led that pain of not having my dad. I didn't want to think about it. I want to talk about it, but I turned it into like hustle into like, I'm gonna uh, and whoever crossed me like I remember getting uh, I would I would go I would speed like speeding like racing cars like I I was like to a point where I didn't even care if I got in a wreck like I was gonna I had this like uh, like this not not necessarily like a death wish but you were you were basically having that you wanted to feel a rush yeah because you were so numb you just wanted a rush yeah and and, and that would get me like. like excited like I would race and I I got into an accident actually doing that and I I was it was a pretty bad one and my mom's like what like it was after school I was racing right after school like I just remember going through this season or funk I guess but I felt like I was having the best time of my teenage years like it was weird like living on the edge and living Mm -hmm. like I don't care if I die kind of thing like I was I felt like on top of the world but mm-hmm. really, it was... Your vodka. I was, yeah. And, um, and that's how I remember dealing with that. And then just working, working, working. And because I had a lot of clothes, because of what I said at the beginning was I used to like looking pretty. And, like, that was my way of expressing myself. It, like, 
turn times 10 whenever that like my senior year and like mm -hmm. the, after high school like it like really changed my style like to more you know I got more into it and I accumulated so much clothes that my mom's like you gotta sell this stuff you gotta like get rid, get of, rid of it and mm -hmm. that's when um I started Amber shop when I was 18 years old so take me a little bit into like um once you're starting that healing process i know you said that um you kind of went into church after yes so my friend was basically relentless um asking me go to church go to church let's go to church and i was mad that she changed because i was catholic um and i remember her she was she turned into a christian and she was wearing skirts and uh, no jewelry, no makeup. Like she changed from one day to the next on me. And I was mad at that she changed. I was like against it. I was like, you know, I was angry at God. I was like, why did, if God's so good, why would he take my dad from me? You know, I was going through all of that. So for her to even say, let's go to church. I was like, so anti-church. Yeah. I felt angry about the whole, like, well, if God's so big, what, why would he do this to me? Yeah. But um, because she didn't give up on me, <laughs> she, she came into my room, uh, her and her sister, and um, and they were like, come on, let's go. you got to go with us. It, it was like a youth night. It was a Wednesday night. I remember being in my room crying, and they got me out, and I went, but I did tell them, I don't want to get questioned of who am I, or I'm going to wear jeans. I'm not going to change who I am. I'm going to be who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just going to go because you keep bugging me. And so like so, you're uh -huh. you were already going into it all yes. defensive. Yes. How was it that youth night that you attended? So when I showed up, they I remember her picking me up. We had she had like an expedition, so there was like three or four people there. <laughs> but um like she was just going around picking up people, which um I remember talking to her in the truck on the way. Please make sure they don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to nobody. I'm not gonna change. This is not my thing I'm just going right because mm -hmm. you just keep bugging me so I go to church and they have this little um like a u-shape like all these chairs um like in front of the stage and all the youth was sitting there and um there was this um kid at the time which is now my husband mm -hmm. <laughs> that was up in the front and he was playing the guitar and um he was kind of uh just kind of laughing with everybody and I'm just the quiet one I'll usually always the quiet one on the side and I would just look at my friend and I told her no um they better not freaking ask me nothing I don't want to talk and she's no. like babe calm, calm down you're fine and so he Philip my husband he went around of course and he's like so what's your name and what brings you here today and oh and I remember getting red like a tomato like I didn't want to talk. I was like processing. I was like, no. And so there I go saying my name and I'm here because my friend brought me and, you mm -hmm. know, real like, um, like closed off, like closed sh off. Let's short. Just, and yeah, so, yeah. Short. Don't talk to me. This is it. That's it. And so he was joking around with everybody. And of course, everybody like knew each other. And mm -hmm. so after church and it was an it was a good little service, but I didn't like I was just kind of like, I can't wait for it to be over. Mm -hmm. And um. I remember them inviting everybody to go eat, you know, and that's when I'm like, no, I don't want to go eat. I don't want to. And so he 
invited everybody, like his parents and him, and they were like, we're going to go to Taco Cabana. And that's when we they took all the youth to eat. And after that, he's like, he asked my friend for my number. Hmm. <laughs> and ever he didn't stop messaging me since then. And so then I went again the next time they had a youth event. Yeah. And I started kind of um, getting to know more people, and I started, like, liking it. Mm-hmm. But I was still very... Um, I had a guard with it all. I had a lot of questions. I was kind of mad about it, but I liked the people. And mm-hmm. so like my friend would go. And so I would start, I started going to church, but I didn't know in that process, like how God was working with in me. Yeah. Through, even that early on. So take me a little bit as to like, because I feel like when somebody is going through grief and everybody processes grief differently, some, end up finding God other people end up shining away from it one once you start to kind of shine more into it what was that like for you like what kind of little changes did you slowly see well when I started um just being around and hearing the preachings everything's kind of like it doesn't click um, Mm -hmm. right away it takes a lot of time and a lot of um, patience when you're growing in that faith but I just remember thinking of like understanding the the love of God different than what I thought and we all go through trials in life Mm -hmm. and grief in different ways like losing jobs losing you know a grandparent losing um you know people close to you or just in general, you grieve for many different reasons, mm-hmm. but there's this love when you understand God's love in the way that he loves you so much and He, you're so perfect in his eyes mm-hmm. that when you start understanding that, it, it kind of opened my eyes to seeing like, wow, he loves me so much that he didn't let me down even in those hardest times and saved me in a way that. I understand, like, because he loves me so much, like, he used that pain that I had, that losing my dad actually saved my life and gave me purpose Mm -hmm. in my life. And because of that pain and all of that and God's love, he showed me so much and so many blessings because my perspective has changed so much because I understand how, how... he sees me how God sees me and loves me so much that I wasn't looking at myself in that light once you started going to church and then you really started to feel more of that like unconditional love that they preach how did you turn your anger into something positive after your death I mean, it's a daily struggle till now. I'm not going to say that it's like um, I'm completely healed and it's right. You know, it's it's like an ongoing um, growing in my faith and in and, and that journey of growing. But what I feel like um, when I tapped into it or when I felt that, it wasn't even that long ago. It was probably a couple of years ago where I started to really, um, it started to kind of, changed my mindset and seeing things in a different light and what I realized is that everybody has trials everybody has their you know their struggles and their pains and their things that they're dealing with Mm -hmm. but how God when he works with you he 
kind of helps you in a way of how to deal when it hits your plate, how to navigate through those issues in a, a, a different perspective so that it's kind of like I'm in a boxing ring, you know, mm -hmm. when you're in the boxing ring and there's these blows that life gives you. So you're dodging it. You're going to the left, to the right. And so I, I've kind of wanted to master the, the hits, I guess. Like I'm in a training right now. I'm not perfect. I'm going to fall. I'm going to mm -hmm. fail. I'm going to get knocked down. But when I have God with me, it's like I know how it pushed me to get back up and keep dodging those hits and navigating through that and the, through life mm -hmm. like that. And so when things happen to me, sometimes I'm be, I actually laugh about it now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what, God, maybe you have a better plan. This yeah. is probably why I want this so bad. You know what? And, you know, sometimes it ends up being better. Kind of like an example was... Um, Recently, I had to close my store. Um, mm -hmm. I had a different location and I was so mad. I was like, why? I just opened this one. I've been here two years. I didn't, the own, the the gentleman that was running that location was like, all the tenants need to leave. Sorry. And I'm like, all my customers are used to this. Yeah. And I was so angry that I had to close it. And I was like praying to God, like, God, if it's your will, maybe, you know, maybe you want something better for me or I don't know what, you know, like what's it's my next, next, step? next step, but please guide me and, and help me through this. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Give me that ability to not give up on my dream. And if this is what your, your will for me, let it, you know, open up a door. And so I just kept looking and looking and now I'm here in this new location. And since I've moved here, I can tell you that it was like a blessing in this like in this disguise where I was so mad about why this change. Walk me through some of the amazing blessings that you've been able to now have now that you have moved locations. So, um, you know, when God opens those doors and you know it's coming from a place um, where it's you feel it and you know it's meant to be. Um mm -hmm. It just, um, it has just opened so many doors for me. You know, I've just this year, like having to move, um, it has, I've met so many different people. I've done some uh, fashion shows, you know, met you, like doing these podcasts and getting my story out. And I feel like it's a way of God still working in me and healing mm -hmm. me um, from, uh, from all the, everything that I've been through. But it's 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 just so beautiful, and that's in itself. That's God's love that I get to see from this side, where it's like, wow, God, you're still working through me. You're still trying to, you know, you're healing those wounds uh, in my heart. So, yeah, it's it's just it's so beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. It 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 is beautiful to hear because I feel like our stories are very similar. I can definitely relate. Um, after losing my grandfather, we were forced to go to church to the point where it's like my anger started to really show out and I rebelled. And it was more of like trying to process all of my emotions and then me growing up. And then it got to the point where my mom would take us so often that it started to like some of the preaching started to resonate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay maybe I'm looking at certain things in my life as like a punishment and maybe it wasn't a punishment 
maybe it's my way of like you know i'm gonna grow from it and mm-hmm. and i'm gonna be able to share it and like help somebody else through it or right. and then it, it got to a point where i was so in love with church that not a lot of people know but I got so into it that I was even looking into going to Bible college wow. because I felt so at peace with, you know, finding God and, and his love. And then I hit rock bottom again, like towards the end of my senior year. And I felt like, no, you know, maybe everything that I go through is is for a reason. Maybe I'm, I'm always like the black sheep for a reason and you know and then I started to think like okay I need to stop with this illusion Mm -hmm. of myself and and just you know continue living how I'm living and you know whatever and then I feel like somehow some way you know going through my early childhood the abuse that I went through and then losing my dad and, and and other things I feel like somehow he always mm-hmm. reminds me, always even 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 now, <laughs> in in current work that I do, it, he like kind of peeks through, like letting me know, like I'm still waiting for you, and and, and yes. I think it's it's beautiful to see that you too, like, were able to take that that heartache, that pain, and turn it into something positive, and and taking, you know, your dad's Nemer's name and building a beautiful you know business out of it to be able to honor him in a way that is still you because you know like you said clothes is something that you've always used to express yourself and I think that's very like inspirational for others because maybe a lot of people right now are going through grief and they don't know what to do with it and it's like sometimes you can turn that pain and grief into something beautiful right Find, find something that you can use as an outlet because that was your outlet. That was my outlet, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you turned it into a business. And now it's something that has flourished into positive things. And so I do want to get a little bit into, like, what is it that Namers um, gets involved with? Not only has Namers bloomed into such a beautiful boutique, but you also do a lot of work within the community. Yes. Um, I I don't know what, what it is about giving that makes me feel really good. <laughs> I feel um like when you're when I don't know, I guess it starts with I feel so blessed and I feel grateful and I feel like this overwhelming um love. Love. I can't even put it into words. But when it just I want to be able to somehow um show it and the only way I can is being involved in the community showing um with um and I get emotional about it because it's it's so like oh it's like when you something very special to me whenever you give back to the community it's very humbling Mm -hmm. I feel because I, I also try to turn some of my bad life experiences into community work Mm -hmm. and I like to do a lot of hands-on within the community because of you know my upbringing Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so I can definitely relate and I know I get a little Mm -hmm. emotional about certain yeah about certain um and then like my and and yes and my heart goes out to to like the women too because I know as a woman it is really hard to because we go through so much so emotion. Much. We're very um, 
in tune with that that and we go through a lot and there's just so much uh, we wear many hats and mm -hmm. to try to still stay sane it can be hard um, but giving back to the community is part of one of those that helped me kind of um, bring me back to I don't know to a place where I feel um, I feel good and I uh, have partnered with Dress for Success, and we do um, do a lot of clothing drives throughout the year, at least three times a year. Um, every quarter, I basically do a clothing drive where it's like for um, like suits and skirts and dresses. Um, Dress for Success is basically an organ a nonprofit organization mm -hmm. where they give back to um, women and men too. Um, where they help them get back on their feet, get jobs, train them how to do re uh, their applications and resumes oh, wow. and go into interviews. And so they dress them and get them ready to go back out to the real world um, to get a job and to get back on their feet. And so I think that's really a good cause they're doing. And so I love being a part of that. I also do... Um, like scarf giveaways and things like that um, during like the winter time for the homeless that um, a lot of people have really come together and really it's kind of growing now um, and I love to see people get involved um, that want to give back as well so I'll definitely if you follow me on Instagram and Facebook you'll see those dates on when I do these clothing drives and mm -hmm. um, all of these upcoming charities. Yes uh, I, I definitely will be part of some of these projects yes. with her because I love giving back as well. I think it fulfills a lot of of um a big part of me because you know coming from the hood and everything like I know what the struggle looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's like I had what I needed but not what we wanted. Right. So I I definitely can totally relate to you on in that and I think that um, as far as Nemers, you have definitely made a name for yourself, for your business. And I love seeing all the things that you do. And even your clothing, like, it's very beautiful and well put together. Like, there's times where I see you post and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I know that's Nemers. Like, you already have this um, presence on social media because you have branded yourself so mm -hmm. well that I can see a video and automatically know well, that's, 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 yeah, that's Nemers. <laughs> Mm. by the time some of our listeners tune in it'll be after father's day what is one advice that you would give someone that is currently grieving the loss of a father or a father figure and they're going to have to process some of those feelings for father's day um i would say that you know it's okay to to feel to feel the pain go through that pain it's okay to cry it's okay to express those feelings and I would recommend not trying to suppress them um, someone going through a grieving time um, is not easy it's very difficult but I would say just find yourself in a place where you can think of those happy times um of those memories with that person and now for speaking from experience is that I can go back and think of those those moments and it makes me happy to know that like indirectly my dad is with me and mm -hmm. he wants to see me happy and I know that um 
his blood runs through me and I want to make him proud. And that is the reason why um, I have a business and I poured in all that pain into my business. But what I would advise is that tune into those those feelings and that pain and understand that that person that you lost or whoever you're grieving, if it's not a father, if it's a, a, a grandmother, or, you know, any anyone, any grieving, just think of it as they want to see you in a good light. They want to see you happy. And and they it would they would hurt if they see you hurting, and so I take that as I'm gonna make my dad proud. I love that he's with me. His his um life runs. It's in he's alive in me, and he's um guiding me through this whole journey of my business. But he might he they'll guide you in some way if you really just tune into that that love that you had for that person instead of it being a negative yeah. turn into a positive and I know um it's a long explanation to how would I deal with it but all I can say is you know you know pray pray to God that he gives you that that peace and understand that life is not easy but with God in your life it's a lot better for sure yes I, I agree and I think one of the things that I would say is that if you're grieving a father figure or a father or a loved one in general, honor them in a way that it's something that they loved. If you're, you remember your loved one eating at a special restaurant and you're grieving, visit that, that special place or write out a letter or, you know, like Amber said, pray and really just tap into how that love that you had for that person is still in you and you can turn it into something positive and you know try to really reach out to other people if you're feeling in a dark place because you do have loved ones around you that are willing to help you out of it and I think that that's something that I had to learn that it's okay to be in a dark place, but if you need help, definitely reach out Absolutely. to somebody and and don't think that you are going to be grieving alone. Like there's different stages to grieve mm -hmm. and however that looks like for you, make sure that you do reach out and don't just close yourself off to the world because you know somebody in your life right now needs you and you know even though you're going through that hardship right now trust and believe that you know you are important and that person still loves you and is with you every step of the way yes so that is all the time we have for this episode i know it we can literally talk about this for hours and hours and venture off into other conversations. But I just wanted to say thank you so much, Amber, for allowing me to share your story with everybody in a different light. And, you know, for letting me record here in your beautiful um, boutique. It's literally stunning. If you guys haven't uh, made an appointment to come visit her, you definitely should. It's a beautiful establishment. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let her um, kind of close off and say her um, handles and everything. But I do ask that everybody please follow her. And like if she has any projects going on, that you reach out and be part of them. Because remember, as a community, we're stronger together. And I'm very 
open about women empowerment and I definitely think that she is one of the staples in our community and you guys can definitely team up together and make more of an impact. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It was a pleasure to to be to, to be able to share my story. I don't think I've ever um done this um to where I can really share um those details with anyone it was actually part of like it's still part of my healing journey Mm -hmm. and i just want to thank everyone for listening and for tuning in and thank you all so much um for the people that have already started following me and your support and everything means a lot to to small business so i appreciate it thank you so much and of course you can follow me at nima's boutique um, on Facebook and Instagram, and on um, you can go to my website at namersboutique.com so we can stay connected. Thank you all so much. Okay, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next episode.